cool. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Guys podcast. This is Jay Cal, and I've got with me DKM and Jaden and a special guest. I told you we'd bring in a special guest, and we've got a special guest. For the first time ever in the Alliance Guys history, not only do we have somebody representing the Pacific time zone myself, but also the Central time zone, DKM, the East time zone with Jaden, and for the first time ever, a world, former world champion, always a world champion, right, will join us from the Mountain time zone, Kevin Frazier, formerly known as Kevin Douglas, the modern day hero. Kevin, welcome to the show. It's so so happy to have you here, man. Man, I am so glad to be here and uh, just getting back into uh, talking some wrestling with some of my friends. And I'm um, just glad you guys are uh, glad you guys will have me on here and let me talk a little NWA with y'all. Now, for you guys who are new to the podcast um, or new to the NWA, Kevin Douglas was the World Junior Heavyweight Champion. He won that title. Uh, back in Charlotte at the, the Revival Tournament where they were crowning a new World Junior Heavyweight Champion. Kevin Douglas was featured in a matchup along with Chase Owens and Scorpio Sky, and he won the title, represented the NWA both on the West Coast and the East Coast, doing television for NWA Hollywood as well as NWA on Fire and all points in between. Kevin, what did it mean to you in your career to be the World Junior Heavyweight Champion of the National Wrestling Alliance? Um, for, for me, there were a few high watermarks in my career. Uh, one of them, of course, beating Daniel Bryan. Uh, and then this one will probably be another high watermark. It, it meant a lot for me. And I was, uh, at a point in my career where I felt like this was, this was the time to, to make a run at, at a big championship. And the NWA seemed to be the, the company giving me the opportunity. And so, so I took it, uh, it meant a lot. You know, also, when we talk about the revival in that tournament, one of the guys that most people missed that was there, of course, we had Scorpio Sky and Chase Owens, myself. Caleb Conley was also in that tournament, oh. who is going to be on the show uh, tonight that we're going to be covering. The other guy that everyone forgets about is a guy named Sean Walters, who goes by the name of Dash Wilder right now on uh, WWE. That's, so there was a there was a who's who on that tournament that night. That's a great pull, man. I you know I didn't know uh, I didn't know Sean was on that card, and uh, I should have known Caleb was there. Uh, DKM, you're always with us, Jaden. You're always with us, DKM. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing excellent. No, there's nothing funner than getting together with some friends to talk about wrestling. And Jaden, how are you, my friend? Cantankerous as always, always in a bad mood and always entertaining. Solar powered love machine, the most charismatic, enigmatic person on this broadcast right now. And well, I'm the only one though. Out of you and you, and actually you and me, Jason, Jay, are the only ones that don't have a World Junior Heavyweight Championship in our collection. This is true. <laughs> this is true. I never won a junior title, and uh, I, at this weight limit, I never will. So. Um, but hey, it is great to have you, everyone, on this. This, like I said, this is kind of cool because each one of us is in a different time zone. It's five thirty or five fifty where I'm at, six fifty where Kevin's at, seven fifty where DKM's at, eight fifty where Jaden's at, and I know I'm that's in the future. Kind of, yeah, you are the future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And and the other cool thing is, Kevin, um, even though you've stepped away from in ring competition. You, you've still maintained your relationship with wrestling. You still enjoy watching it. You're still consuming it. And obviously, you're here to talk about it. 
what are your thoughts initially on this new direction of the National Wrestling Alliance? And, and what are your thoughts on NWA Power as a whole? Um, for me, it's really exciting. A lot of the names and the faces uh, on screen and behind the screen are people I worked with in the past uh, and knew uh, on a personal level or on a professional level. And when I started to see some of this stuff popping up, it was really exciting to see, you know, Dave Marquez involved and some of these guys uh, that I know are so passionate about professional wrestling. And so I knew they would be giving their all and putting out a product that was really good. And, and if you've watched some of the shows, the production value is extremely good and the feel, uh, you really can't get the feel uh, that you get from this show anywhere else. Now, out of the four of us, I was actually there in attendance in Atlanta, Georgia for those TV tapings. And I will tell you this, that the energy that the crowd emitted, I know that Jaden wasn't a fan of the crowd reaction, but it, it did feel like something special was happening there in Atlanta. And I think, uh, especially on this episode of NWA Power, you really saw what that uh, energy from that crowd kind of did to the show. Um, but without any further ado, let's let's kick off the show. The show kicks off with a promo from the Rock and Roll Express, who made their return to the NWA back at the uh, Crockett Cup. And uh, they made their debut on NWA Power, uh, coming to the aid of Kingston and Homicide when they were blindsided by the wild cards. DKM, what were your thoughts on seeing uh, Ricky and Robert back in the NWA? Well, as a promo goes, they're a good promo. I like listening to them talk. Uh, people know I'm not necessarily wild about them being in the ring, but as Jaden has pointed out before, it's 2019, near the end of 2019, and they're the hottest tag team in wrestling. They've been in Japan, all elite, uh, in Ring of Honor. Uh, they're everywhere. And so, you know, we'll give them the credit. They're, they, they, they are still relevant today. Jaden, what were your thoughts? Well, I've always been a fan of the Rock and Roll Express. The Midnight Express was still better, but hey, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to see Ricky and Robert. Uh, speaking of uh, Ricky Morton, he is also a former NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champion. I kind of bring this into a full circle. But I'm, I enjoy seeing them. I'm a little less hating to them in the ring, even though I know it's a bit unrealistic. You know, in the right situation, it maybe it can happen. I know some old men that can still kick a lot of young guys' butts nowadays. But um, I, I, the interview was great. I enjoyed it. For some reason, David Marquez, I don't know what happened between the two tapings. He just has this younger look to him, like like his energy or something. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. I don't know if he went and got a spray tan or his hairline filled out or I don't know. But it just looked really good. He looks much younger than I remember that than, uh, than he has in a long time. And so uh, I guess is it my turn? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, modern day. <laughs> now you get to okay. have the third it's person. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, man – to start off my analysis uh, with touching a little bit of a nerve for me, uh, yes, I know that um, Ricky Morton was an NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion. And for me personally, uh, I was very unhappy with that. Uh, I had spent a lot of time uh, establishing some a good reputation for that championship and Chase Owens alike and also Jason Kincaid. Uh, to have a 50-year-old guy out of his prime that I – didn't think was that great even when he was in his prime uh really was a kind of a, a a shot in the foot for me and and i let it be known and obviously there were some repercussions for that so anytime we're going to bring up ricky morton they're going to get a, they're going to hit a little soft spot with me but what's the show without a little controversy 
Um, and I would still to this day tell him to his face. Now, Robert Gibson, cool guy, uh, always took care of me when I was a younger wrestler uh, breaking into the business. So there's a little bit of – I'm one of the rare guys that likes only one half of the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> um, it's, in terms of their promos, I, again, it's hard to knock good when you see it. I thought, I thought Ricky was great on the mic. Uh, but seeing those guys in the ring, uh, you know, I, I was a wrestler, you know, for 15, almost 17, 16 years. Um, and I just, some things, I just don't get it, you know, even to this day watching it, I'm still a fan. I've always have been a fan and I see stuff like that. And I know there's so many other good young wrestlers out there scratching and clawing for positions to, to make their name. So to have to see that, uh, I quite, I just don't, I just don't get it. Not a big fan of it. Uh, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the crowd was electric for the rock and roll express. And of course it should be because they were in Atlanta and there's so many fond memories for a lot of the, uh, you know, that, that fan base that, um, you know, some of the, some of the kids that grew up in the men who were at that uh, TV taping, you know, grew up with the rock and roll express and did get to see them live. So, I mean, I hear what you're saying and I, I don't necessarily disagree with it either because as we've talked about on this show, both those guys are in their sixties. I mean, they're old enough to be my dad, you know, and uh, they're old enough to be most of the, the fans' uh, grandpas. So it's 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 an interesting dichotomy of age, but and 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 uh, tag team wrestling. But they're here; we have to deal with it. And uh, <laughs> but I thought the promo was pretty good. I thought they yeah. did a good job of putting over Kingston and uh, Homicide, and it certainly set up the match for later in the night. Um, one thing I wanted to point off is I'm a numbers guy. I kind of pay attention to how the show was progressing throughout the night. Um, when the ma- match started off between, uh, as I'm transitioning to Trevor Murdoch and the aforementioned Caleb Conley, uh, we were sitting at 6,699 viewers live. Now, that number might not sound like a lot, and honestly, that number is down from the week before. However, the show tends to continue to grow throughout the week. People are still watching it after the fact, actually watching it multiple times. And, and the live number is only uh, indicative of just that, the people who are watching it live. Um, so the match kicks off with Trevor Murdoch and Caleb Conley. And, and I know on this show, uh, Jaden, both of these guys, we kind of we like both of these guys. This is one of those matches where both of these two, two men are very talented. Obviously, Trevor Murdoch has the pedigree. Uh, having worked the NWA in the past, uh, having been a WWE tag team champion and, and he's, you know, trying to forge his name into the modern day NWA. And like, uh, Kevin pointed out earlier, Caleb Conley has been around for a long time, whether it was the NWA new beginning show or the NWA Charlotte shows or the revival, uh, junior heavyweight tournament, Caleb Conley has been a guy who's, who's really been around for a long time. Even, even a part of the, um, NWA pop-up event early in January, the pay-per-view that they did with uh, Tried and True Pro Wrestling. What were your thoughts on this matchup, uh, Jaden? And what did you think uh, to see these two guys go at it? I thought it was too soon. I thought both guys needed to be built up more. The match could have actually had some more meaning to it, but it was thrown in there. And while I'm a big fan of Trevor Murdoch, always will be a fan of Trevor Murdoch. And I, I grew to like uh, Conley. You know, initially, like I told you, the first time I saw him, he damn near killed himself. But, you know, he's definitely impressed me, especially in the NWA television. I will say it pissed me off when he did the stupid turn away to run away toward the ropes. I hate that. Somebody should punch somebody right in the back of the skull when they do that. Why the hell did they turn away like a, an idiot and just 
you know, when they starting to run the rope, they do that. It's this, it's a stupid uh, AEW bullshit thing that like uh, Kenny Kenny <laughs> Olivier does or Kenny Omega, whatever the hell like his name is. I don't even really know. It's so stupid. If anybody ever did that in a match, I'd just punch him right in the back of the skull for being disrespectful. What What do you think, Kev? Um, well, I, I appreciate the, uh, the purest, uh, side of Jaden's opinion there that anytime someone gets passionate and fired up, I'm, I'm going to like it, even if I don't agree. Um, in this match to me, this match itself and the way it was presented, uh, the flow of the match, um, just the kind of the, the way they, I felt like they captured what this type of, of wrestling show is about, uh, in terms of the pacing, the fact that they got a pop for a body slam. And then they got a one more time. <laughs> and, that, and I'm telling you, like, as a, as a wrestler myself, like, the technical aspects of things just stand out to me big time. And, I mean, that was, like, the perfect, ideal way to throw a body slam. And so, for me, I just thought it was great that there was so much detail paid to the simpler things, which I think is kind of what a throwback wrestling show should be. Um, and, and also, Jay, we talked a little bit about this earlier today, just that, that, you know, this is part of the identity of what this show is trying to be. I, I felt like that match captured that. Now, I can't agree with Jaden that I hate to see a guy like Caleb, who's so talented, uh, be the be kind of the uh, the one that the recipient of this kind of match instead of more somebody else that might have been a better enhancement type talent guy. But at the same time, Caleb did such a great job. And if I'm the booker, I'm saying thank you, Caleb, for doing that. And I'm going to turn right around and throw him a bone because he's a great talent. It's been far too long for him to be on it, to get on a stage uh, like this or, or a better stage. Even, I mean, I look at guys like Tyler Breeze and go, why not Caleb? Um, and you know, that kind of thing. So I was a big fan of the match just because of the pacing, uh, the way it looked. And, and honestly, like Trevor Murdoch, I love big nasty dudes like that. And I just thought technically um, he was as sound as it gets. He kind of reminded me of Harley race a little bit in that match. And I'll throw it over to you, Devin. Uh, I enjoyed the match a lot. Uh, Kevin put it best. It is kind of what this kind of throwback wrestling is. Uh, I'm going to do two minor complaints, then go back to talking about the good part. Uh, my first minor complaint is after Murdoch did a series of body slams, some very well-executed body slams, and Conley uh, managed to get some momentum going and then does the swanton landing on his back on the wrestler. And you never know he had ever been body slammed. He, he was perfectly fine. And mm. so that, that annoyed me a little. Mm. And then the other thing is a general thing in wrestling today. It was primarily a strike match. There was almost no grappling in it. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, as Arn Anderson, Anderson used to say, you know, the word on the marquee is wrestling. And mm. I'd like to see a little more wrestling on it in these matches. But putting those two things aside, you know, it was a good match. I'm a big fan of Trevor Murdoch. I really like him. I thought that top rope uh, bulldog of his was just an awesome thing. So, you know, thumbs up for me. It's it's funny because I just pantomimed the thumbs up on my end right before you said that. Um, that top rope bulldog, that was uh, very nice. I like that one very much. And, uh, you know, the thing that I thought about the match is, um, to your point, uh, DK, is you said there was a lot of striking. Uh, 
But Trevor Murdoch also isn't going to be the guy that's throwing a lot of, uh, you know, wrist locks and uh, arm drags and a lot of, uh, it's funny I say that because he actually had a pretty decent arm drag. Um, but he's not the guy that's going to be very technical in that ring. It's going to be more of a stiff kind of brawl, kind of, uh, you know, like his namesake, kind of like a, 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 a dirty kind of wrestler like uh, Dick Murdoch. It's not going to be, you know, pretty in the ring. It's not supposed to be. I and I, I get that to a point, but you know, there are lockups and you know, collar and elbows and you know, some basic holds, some basic moves. I mean, one of the most awesome things I ever saw was Killer Khan, Iceman, King Parsons spend about two minutes in a lockup trying to overpower each other. Sure. And so, I mean. That's what I'm talking about. No, I'm not expecting a lot of technical wrestling and fireman carries and whatever in Trevor Murdoch match, but there are some basic grappling things that can take place. How about that spine well, buster, by the way, guys? That spine buster he threw was was beautiful. Probably the move of yeah. the move of the of the of the show. I thought it was probably the best, most impactful move of the entire night. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um the, the other thing I wanted to note too is that I did feel like this match really didn't hurt either wrestler because um, this wasn't a squash. You know, Caleb didn't go out there and get his butt whipped. He got some offense in. Now, was he overmatched? Sure. Was he overpowered? Probably. But at the end of the day, he he didn't look like, to me, he didn't look like a jobber out there, just pin me, pay me. He uh, he, he had some offense. He looked good. This wasn't the traditional squash squash match that we've been used to thus far on NWA Power. Moving right along, uh, they broke the news that the Into the Fire pay-per-view, uh, they ani- announced a price point of $19.99 if you pre-order it through Fight, um, or you could order it day of at $24.99. Um, $20 for a pay-per-view I think is pretty fair, man, especially these days. Uh, a lot of entertainment value. I mean, you go to the movie theaters alone, it's going to cost you more than 20 bucks, And... Uh, you know, tickets to the show are like 20, 30 bucks. So the pay-per-view for 1999, I think is actually a pretty good bargain. Uh, are any of you guys going to check it out when it's on the pay-per-view on fight TV? Wonder what's the date on that? I, I didn't actually catch the date. Oh, uh, December 14th, which is a Saturday. And I, I think that start time is at six Oh five Eastern. Uh, very mm. likely, I won't be able checking it live. But if it's, I, depending if there's no Josephus, I or at least not putting in a, a question mark of a uh, position, I might. Uh, I don't. I don't see why I wouldn't be able to. There's a possibility that that I can ca- if I can catch it. Uh, especially- Next up, we have Aaron Stevens, who again, for some of you guys, uh, know him for, as Damian Sandow or Aaron Rex in uh, Impact Wrestling. He showed up in a half of a pirate outfit um, and threatens to quit the NWA and actually quits the NWA to go uh, perform in Shoguns of Malibu. <laughs> Big Kev, I know you love gimmicks, Kev. I know you love gimmicks. What did you think of of Mr. Stevens and the uh, acting um, Well, since I wasn't on this show last week, I'm going to use Aaron Stevens to plug one of my favorite uh, wrestlers and favorite guys. Uh, on the whole planet, and that's Ricky Starks. Uh, I was I, I thoroughly enjoyed the match uh, last week they had. I thought it was probably the best match of the of the show last week, and um, 
you know, I, I really can appreciate this guy, uh, appreciate Aaron just for taking care of one of my good friends who really, it's a long time coming uh, for Ricky to have a spot like this and to get the opportunity to be seen. So I give him a lot of respect just in that alone. Uh, but yeah, he's a funny guy. I really like people that can be charismatic, uh, not take themselves too seriously. But when it comes time to wrestle, they can actually go out there and do the job. And I think I think that's what I, how I would. Um, again, being able to do it on in the doing it in the ring, and then of course on the microphone is is always pivotal and to me a huge sign of what a good. Um, what a good professional uh, entertainer, professional wrestler, sports entertainer, whatever we're called these days, um, would would I, I think that's a sign of a good of a good uh, good talent. So, what do you think about that, Jaden? Well, I actually just made me think of something. So it's the right guy, or is it Devin? It would be DK, but it's okay <laughs> since I'm talking. <laughs> Jaden, but um. <laughs> yeah, actually, I just thought of something. You've been in the ring with Ricky Starks, or at least you know Ricky Starks, and you've been in the ring with Sebastian Cruz. Uh, are they yeah. like the same person? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, you say it's funny. You say, oh, well, I would say, I would say, um, on the technical side, wrestling wise, I would say Sebastian probably has a, a, a leg up on Ricky because, I mean, Sebastian was just—he's just as smooth as silk in the ring. Um, just really, really good timing, extremely good. Like he knew where he was at all times. Uh, I felt like the match that we had, we told a really good story. Um, maybe outside of the ring when it comes to promos and just self-promotion, uh, Ricky is just awesome. I love his promos and I'm a big promo guy. Um, gosh, I just wish Adam Pierce would cut a promo just for fun <laughs> every now and then just so we could have one, um, you know, but, uh, but I guess if you're going to say strength, I would I would give Ricky the edge outside of the ring in terms of promos and you know character development. Uh, definitely Sebastian in the ring, having wrestled both these guys. Uh, Sebastian, give I give him a little edge up in, inside the yeah. ropes. But um, I, if this was the only comedy of the match, I'm going to go to the same thing I said the last time. If this was the only comedy on and and on and goofiness on the event. Uh, Aaron's good at it and he's entertaining at it and I can tolerate it. But once again, they went with too much goofy and stupid and it kind of, I think took away from him. What about you, DK? What'd you think? Uh, you know, this is where Aaron Stevens excels. Uh, he seems to have a problem with pants or makes me a little uncomfortable, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, this is where he excels. <laughs> I don't know if he's quit, quit, or if he's back next week, or what the deal is. So, you know, we'll see where that goes. I, I will say one thing, though, just based on the ring of Ricky Starks, who I actually saw Kevin and Ricky Starks uh, team together in person. And so uh, they were a good tag team. Mm-hmm. Too bad it was kind of towards the end of uh, Kevin's run. Well, and then talking about tag team wrestling, (laughs) um, next up we have, well, I mean, we talked at length last week about how great we all thought Thunder Rosa was her debut, the build up the NWA has given her. 
Hell, she went out and fought in a in a MMA match this Friday, uh, last Friday night, and uh, everyone has just great things to say about Thunder Rosa. Marty Bell is certainly growing on me as a performer. This match was one of those matches where I really felt like she's starting to come into her own in the NWA, and they took on the team of Crystal Rose and Brooklyn Creed. Um, sort of. This was a, tr- yeah, yeah. This was uh. Well, we mentioned earlier the squash match. This is definitely a squash match. Um, Crystal Rose and Brooklyn Creed really don't belong in the ring with talents like Rosa and Marty Bell, and it showed. And, and I don't want to bury anybody, but there's obviously a a great uh, distance between the two talents. And I think it, it it certainly didn't hurt the match because we know what kind of match it was. But... Um, I really want to see somebody come out there and challenge Thunder Rosas and, and see someone come out and challenge Marty Bell. And in this match, uh, you know, it kind of had that rough finish where I think, I think it was Crystal Rose. She, she was kind of out there for a little bit and uh, kind of had the TV programming uh, offset. But um, one of the things that really stood out was the promo afterwards where it's a promo in Spanish and Marty Bell translates basically stating that there's some sort of a prophecy of a returning Phoenix, uh, a, a Phoenix returning to the NWA and uh, DKM. What were your thoughts on the match? What were your thoughts on the promo? Uh, the match was a nothing match. It was a squash that actually irritated me a little bit. It was a tag team match. And between the two teams, there was only one tag made. <laughs> Bell started, she tagged Rosa. They beat up, Brooklyn, whoever her was, Crystal Meth never gotten the <laughs> never gotten the ring. She was talked off the ring apron twice. Uh, I understand a good enhancement match. I like a good enhancement match. It's got uh, Thunder Rosa over, but you know if you're going to have a tag team match, you know at least let those two, you know, tag in and out and beat the person. So that was my thought there. I I, I really enjoyed the interview. <laughs> I really yeah. Thunder Rosa, uh, you know, like getting on her tiptoes or whatever there by <laughs> Marquez and his reaction. Uh, this is the best I've ever seen Marquez. I mean, I fell in love with him here in this this show. And uh, bad match, excellent promo, Jaden. You know, I just realized the top pushed women in the NWA, they all got some badonkadonks going on. There's a, okay. There's a lot of booty on there. And the uh, queen of the booty there, Thunder Rosa, oh, she kicked a lot of booty. She uh, <laughs> felt like she knocked that one girl out, a little loopy. You know, yes. and, um, <laughs> maybe maybe MMA is uh, – she, she may not have won that fight, but maybe she hits a little too hard for professional wrestling. That said, though, I can't wait to see her and Allison Kay. Um, I think honestly, this kind of exposed the lack of women contenders in a way because the Definitely. two of the top contenders were Rosa and uh Marty Bell were in a tag match and they just you know they killed a couple of enhancements that got them over. It was great, but I do think we need a few more women wrestlers, um, you know, to challenge for the women's championship and to put that over and then maybe we'll have some big matches besides just building in for the women's championship. 
I don't think every match or there needs to be a women's match or has to be half matches. I think, you know, whatever matches are there are supposed to be, you know, whatever it is, there should be just enough for everything to make people want more of it. And I guess right. I do want more of it. So maybe it did achieve its goal, but I don't know. Thunder Rosa's, I hope, I really hope she leaves with the championship because she's got something that right now nobody in, in the NWA women's division has. And that's, just some kind of marketable charisma. Being a, a guy trained by a two-time WWE women's champion uh, and a former NWA women's uh, world champion jazz and just feeling like in many ways I, I've seen, I've saw firsthand uh, the beginnings of this movement of the, the women's uh, wrestling movement. I, I've, I've, kind of taking sure. a, a kind of a liking, I guess you would say, or I take it a little personal. Um, and so I really, really was impressed and have been impressed just from the, the small sampling that I've gotten of Thunder Rosa. And the first thing I thought when I saw her, I thought, well, she, in reality, it's only a matter of time uh, before <laughs> she's the champion. And that's just there. You heard it here first. Um, it just, it just makes sense. And I, I think, Unfortunately for the other women around her, I think that it's going to be – she's just going to make them – it's almost like watching a runner that's fast, oh. so much faster than everybody else that they make them look like they're in slow motion. And so I think that same thing right now. I'm seeing this when I'm watching her wrestle. Yeah. Uh, the match she had against the the Roxy girl. Uh, I mean, she just outclassed – I mean, she out-athletic. She was more athletic. She outclassed her. Uh, the other girl looked kind of clumsy to me compared to her. Uh, and I felt the same way in this match and, and nothing against Marty Bell. I think she's good, a good wrestler and, and a good female wrestler, but it's just, it's just like what you guys are kind of saying, they're going to probably have to find or bring in some people to uh, actually keep up with her just because she's just on another level. And again, I don't know a whole lot about Allison uh, K. I haven't watched a whole lot of her stuff. But I know an athlete when I see one, and I just can see the difference in athletic prowess from Thunder Rosa to the rest of the females just in this match and the last match I saw last, uh, from the show last week. And the promo was outstanding. I really enjoyed uh, <laughs> the speaking Spanish. I thought it was funny she called Dave fat in Spanish. Um, I thought the facial expressions, uh, you know, working the camera when you're not even – like the main part, like when the camera's not necessarily focusing on you, but you're still paying attention to it and being aware of those things. I thought, I thought all that was great. Um, great, maybe a heavy word there, but really, really good. So I just thought it, the presentation of the whole thing altogether was good. I, I enjoyed right. the, having a translator when she really didn't, doesn't even need one. Uh, that's just, that kind of stuff is just cool to me. So I just thought it was really creative. Well done. Had a lot of energy. Um, it really was one of those segment, a segment that felt like it was certain aspects of it were really as good as it could get in terms of uh, anybody, you know, certain moments of that match. You feel like, well, gosh, this could be. And, as and good just as I want to note two different things. On Number right one, now. Dave Marquez has lost a lot of weight. So it's kind of funny that she called him fat because he's lost a lot of weight. Two, um, the energy that she brings, I think, is unrivaled right now in the promotion. I mean, Aldis cuts a hell of a promo. Eli Drake cuts a hell of a promo. James Norman is really, really good on the mic. But, man, you have to put Thunder Rosa right up there with the energy she brought for that promo. And the interesting thing to me 
And and I think maybe the NWA might have painted themselves in the corner here because they're painting Thunder Rosa to be the top heel, right? I mean, that's that's what I'm getting from it. But they also want to tell the story of the MMA fighter, the the woman who had courage to step into the ring. And so we have a tale of two stories yeah. here. We have Thunder Rosa's the intimidating uh Santeria badass. And then we have the MMA fighter who everyone's going to rally behind because she put on such a valiant effort in the cage, her first MMA fight. And and, and so now you have Thunder Rosas and, and Melissa Cervantes. And now I think you, you have this weird dichotomy. Like if you tell the story of Melissa Cervantes in the cage, she's going to become even more likable. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I can I chime in on this. I think this is something because having to have you know playing a character where you called yourself a hero, mm-hmm. but sometimes you were going to go into places where you were the good guy and the bad guy. Uh, do, you know, in in certain areas, I was like the kid's favorite, and then I go to go up to work for Jaden, and I'm you know the biggest bad guy, one of the bigger bad guys on the show that night. And I think a lot of it is just how you do it. Right. She can easily go and get people to say, "Oh, wow, she's a great fighter." gain that credit, gain that credibility by being a great, you know, by being a fighter, maybe gain a little bit of that likeness, but how she, how she, how she actually presents herself post fight or says, you know, presents herself as her character can actually make her be a credible heel giving, using that as credibility, but turning around and saying, look, see, I am a fighter and I am better than everybody else. I'm tougher than everybody else. And I'm going to beat everybody up in this, in this division and you're going to like it and you're going to like it, you know, whether, sure. whether you like it or not either way, but it's a lot of it is how you say it. Right. And I always think the best bad guys are the ones that think they are the good guy. And so that's something that she could def. It just depends on how she does it and how they use her. Um, and then there's times where you just can't help it. You know, you try to make somebody heal. You try well, to make and the, the thing that I'm guy, concerned about, no matter what you do. And, and, and this is, I'm just drawing the parallels here. I'm not saying that they're the same person by any stretch, but, the under undertaker was such a strong gimmick. Right. And when he became the American badass, people still cheered for him, but it was a different thing. It was different. It was no longer the mystique of the undertaker was kind of gone and they had to repackage him back into the undertaker later down the road. They never let, uh, you know, uh, Mark Calloway cut a promo. It was always the undertaker cutting a promo. Um, we were Mark Calloway was hidden from the cameras all we got was The Undertaker. And so I think you're going to meet this weird dichotomy. Now, this isn't the WWE. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's something different entirely. But you could draw comparisons to the just the gimmick itself. So we'll see. I mean, you're right. Uh, Dave Lagan is a creative guy. William Patrick Corgan is obviously a creative guy. Uh, Thunder Rosa herself is a creative gal. I'm sure there's ways to work around it. I just don't want to lose the mystique of of uh, Thunder Rosas to tell the story of Melissa Cervantes, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. I I also kind of want to throw out there too, that you have the opportunity to, um, again, you, you can create a kind of a, a dualistic type character here too. No, I I, I think we were losing you, but I think you're back now. No. Can you hear me? Oh, well, I was just saying that, uh, okay, you know, there are back. two dynamics just, going on in the wrestling world now. One, fans like a badass heel. 
So, yeah. And honestly, to me, up until last week, she was presented more as a face than as a heel. And then even last week, it was weird in the sense that Allison Kay, who had been presented more as a heel than a face, you know, was the one who was beat up and then, you know, cheap shot it. But considering the way she had talked about Marty Bell, I think we all relate. If somebody had talked about us that way, we would. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And that kind of leads to this, you know, dynamic we've talked about in the past, which is, you know, modern wrestling doesn't like faces and heels too much. Uh, again, I'm more old school. I prefer knowing who to cheer for and who to boo. And so, you know, it's just a different dynamic. In there. But we probably ought to move on to the, through the show. So then up next, rightfully, James Storm uh, is at the uh, is at the commentators table with uh, Dave Marquez, and they are talking about um, how Nick Aldis put James Storm in this position. And I this is very uh, very heelish on his end. He's not blaming Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana's got the national title. That that story's closed more or less in the terms of uh, James Storm. But he wants to go after the big well the killer well, if you will. And he's referring to Nick Aldis in that world's heavyweight championship. I thought it was a good promo. I thought it was a good way to shift gears. I thought it was kind of funny how he, he was just over Cabana. It's like, Nope, I'm good. I don't need a rematch at the national title. I want Nick Aldis. Uh, Jaden, what were your thoughts on that? Well, going after the white whale, it was a uh, Moby Dick reference. White whale, white whale. I said killer. Well, yes. I blew it. But the um, it was a nice Moby Dick reference. Uh, a lot of people probably don't believe that James Storm knows how to read, but obviously he's a literate man. Uh, I like James Storm. Um, I know that's not his first shot at the championship that he seems to be gearing himself up for. He wanted at that. I mean, he had a shot at that little pop up event they had before. Um, I've always mm-hmm. been a big fan, and I can't. I, yeah, I guess I've always been a big fan of James Storm. He's I like him more and more now than I did back when he was part of America's Most Wanted. But um, he's got a lot of charisma, a lot of talent. He's got a unique personality. He's kind of their version of Stone Cold, except he's actually being a heel. Um, it's yeah. nice to actually see a heel or something trying to be on the broadcast. You know, I, I hate that whole, you don't know who the heel or face is. I think that's bad writing. All right, yes, people in real life are... They're, they're often a little more shades of gray, but you want your superheroes to be good guys. You want your your supervillains to be bad guys. Not everybody can be Magneto. We need more Thanos. So I think Ooh. it was nice to have a, a nice Thanos. I would just wish now um, maybe Nick Aldis was a little bit more Captain America or Captain Britain at least. <laughs> what about you, Kevin? What do you think? Um, I, you know, I... I know that I'm going to sound terrible by saying this, but it's just the whole angle uh, with James Storm and Nick Aldis. Uh, it just doesn't doesn't do a whole lot for me. The heavyweight championship situation as it stands right now really is not doing a whole lot for me. I, I do like Eli Drake a lot. I do like uh, Colt Cabana a lot. And it just seems like I, it's like the guys that I'm not really, and this is probably just personal preference, but the guys I'm really not that big, big into, or don't have a whole lot of high regard for uh, are the guys that are kind of getting the the most of it. I'm not saying James is a bad wrestler 
or Nick for that matter. I just don't, I kind of, I kind of <laughs> like, I, I kind of watch that stuff just so I could have, so I could no, no. Watch it so I could talk about it on the show. <laughs> no, it sounds terrible. I hate to be that guy, but you can tell when I like something and when I don't. And uh, it just, and when we get to the end of the show, DK? Um, you, you'll hear, I'll, um, I'll touch on this a little bit more. I, because I love to correct Jay, I will point out that this was not uh, go ahead, De- go ahead, uh, interview station. It was actually behind the thing after he lost the title. But, um, That's right. Excuse me. I did not write that down. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. You, you know most people love you. Anyway. <laughs> I got a wife and kids. That's all that matters. Exactly. That is so awesome. anyway... <laughs> Uh, anyway, as far as the interview itself is concerned, it was, I mean, it was a good thing. He was emotional. He was supposed to be emotional. Uh, it was kind of a sudden shift from it's the NWA's fault to all that. Now, I, I want Cole Cabana. No, I don't forget that. I want uh, Nick Aldis. Oh. Okay, yeah, everybody wants to pursue the world champion. That is true. So, it served its purpose. I guess that's what I'd say. Yeah. So, um, moving along, switching gears. Now, this is going to be the fun part of the night because I know, uh, I know Jaden isn't a big fan, but uh, we had a, another match featuring uh, D Man, uh, Dan Parker. What's that? I, sorry, the interview. The Colt Cabana interview, of course. Well, of course we had the Colt Cabana. That's right there on my notes right here. The Colt Cabana interview is everyone's champion. You get a title. He gets a title. Everyone gets a title. He's, he goes Oprah in uh, in Atlanta. And then and then your guy, Kevin, your guy, Starkman Jones, Stroke Daddy. What is Stroke Daddy? Don't look it up. Don't, don't look it up. He interrupts Colt Cabana. And things get very, very weird, which is uh, right up uh, Starkman Jones. That's right up his alley. But I, uh, I, of course, again, I'm partial to Ricky, so it's going to be hard for me not to like what he does. But again, I think this is what you need. I, two guys that I really actually do like to watch, too, uh, with Ricky Starks. Right. And I like watching Colt Cabana. My favorite thing about Cabana is that nothing with him is ever vanilla. Uh, he is very creative, and, and honestly, for someone who does so much things different, it always seems to make more sense than guys doing the basic stuff. Um, so I, I really give him credit for that. I just think he's a, a real good thinking man's wrestler. Um, again, you may not like his style. Uh, I could see how it could turn some people away, but at the same time, I just really enjoy like the way he times things, uh, and he he knows who he is in the ring. And I think it's going to be great. Hopefully, they're going to pair him. At least give Ricky a chance to have a couple matches with Colt because I think it'll be Jane, great to bring out your thoughts. Uh, some of the some of that personality that Ricky has. No worries, Dan. I got you. I uh, should be DK's thoughts, but my thoughts are um, uh, yeah. Colt throwing Okay, it to the I, next sometimes I like him, sometimes <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I wish he was more serious. I, the promo was okay. It was. You know what I realized I, though? I, it's. I, I don't hate the national title like a lot of people. I hate the leather, though. It's so plastic-looking. <laughs> There's something about the leather around there that makes it look more like it was something that you got out of a Halloween costume shop, like it was a piece of vinyl instead of leather. 
So I think that's actually kind of distracting. Uh, if it was actually maybe better looking, the the actual bondage around that gold, I would think maybe I wouldn't. It, it would be a little. It would be better received. But I also don't like the way Cole Cabana held it the whole time. Maybe it should be over his shoulder and everything. Um, I know it's so huge that it covers up three quarters of his of his physique, but I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I, the whole time I would just I, during the interview during the promo I actually spent more attention checking out the national championship than I did anything else. What about you, DK? What'd you think? Well, if anybody would know anything about being on the wrong end of bondage, <laughs> they know you. Oh Jesus! <laughs> but uh, to the interview, I will say it was a <laughs> basic Cabana interview. Good for what it was. Uh, Ricky Stark's coming out. I hope this is uh, sort of a nice storyline. Uh, Ricky probably needs to work with people in Colt. Uh, wouldn't expect him to win the title, but, you know, I'd expect him to you know, get the opportunity to learn and be in with a veteran like that. And for the belt itself, um, like Jaden said, he probably should hold it over his shoulder or something because actually it was a little bit distracting. That's what I thought. And so now... Now we can get to Jaden's favorite part of the show. Jaden's favorite wrestler, his new favorite wrestler, made his debut against D-Man Dan Parker. Now, this is (laughs) an example of the power, no pun intended, or maybe it was totally intended, of the audience. Um, This match had all the makings of... A nonsense, uh, a no nothing match. Dan uh, D Man Parker, who's someone I really enjoy watching, uh, both in the ring and outside of the ring. He uh, he actually hosts uh, a lot of the championship wrestling from Hollywood content. He is a Dave Marquez guy. Um, he got obliterated by Tim Storm in Hollywood a couple of months ago. Uh, he took on the question mark who. Nobody knows who the question mark is, and that's that's our story. We're sticking to it. Um, the question mark seems to be a masked wrestler in the style of maybe the Spoiler or the Destroyer. Uh, excuse me, um, the Super Man, the Masked Superstar. Excuse me. Um, and and watching the question mark actually connect with a missile drop mm-hmm. drop kick actually surprised me because. He doesn't look like he's light on his feet. He doesn't look like he would be able to compete in a in a junior heavyweight match for sure. And uh, he finished D-Man off with a throat thrust that literally took D-Man off of his feet. Now, I'm going to just take it to you, Jaden, because everybody wants to hear your take on the question mark. It's freaking Josephus. What a Freak! What a damn goddamn waste of time! We gotta edit that out. We're not doing spoilers. We gotta edit that out. That's no spoiler about it. The only spoiler was how it spoiled everybody who had to watch this garbage. And yes, you talked about how the fans and how how they made it special. They made it short bus special. That's what they made it. They are right now. It was stupid. It's a waste of time. When they asked the uh, NWA asked who they think it is, and I said it's a waste of TV time. It's it's a person. He doesn't belong there. He didn't do the missile dropkick right. He, la- he almost landed on his ankle and broke his ankle. The stupid thrust of the throat and the double horns and the whole damn gimmick is just absolutely moronic. Honestly, whoever thought about that, 
Maybe they should go out in the uh, parking lot and put their mouth on a uh, on a pipe or something like that because they just need. I don't know. It's stupid. It was just absolutely stupid. Please, Kev. <laughs> Do is it? I'll, I'll I'll jump in on this one. Um, yeah, sure. So I guess I guess for me. There were two moments. There were two. There are a couple. Okay, I say two. Two times for sure where I felt like I was watching old, old, old timey wrestling, so to speak. And I felt like the opening match for sure. And I felt like in this match, it was. It reminded me of like when they did used to do those cheesy, uh, cheesy gimmicks back in the eighties. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna totally contrast with Jaden here. Because I, I did like it. No, and from a technical, you know, 60 minute time limit, you know, Iron Man match wrestler to say that I liked it. Uh, I guess it just has more to do with me knowing just I, I, I've accepted wrestling for what it is. And sometimes these are the kind of things that people do. And the, the craziest part about it was that the fans were all about it. See, right now, and, uh, that right now, that, that's that, that all that you can hear him right now. And the reason being is because that's probably. Has something to do with Hillary Clinton, who also does not like Josephus. Uh, she probably is cutting him off. Pretty soon, we're going to have to wonder what happened to Kevin Frazier. You know, um, what happened to him, just like what happened to, uh, you know what? Speaking of this, you know, the fans, he was popular, Jeffrey Epstein. He was popular by a lot of people. Doesn't mean it was right. And I hope one day this whole gimmick with this Josephus and this, and this question mark ends up just like uh, Kevin Epstein, if, even if he didn't kill himself. <laughs> Not Kevin Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> Can y'all hear me now? Did, did I come back? You're back, you're back, yeah. Yeah, you're back, Kev. Um, okay. I heard everything, and, and, and you know, I just, um, I don't know. I, I guess this is just one of those things where you, where, where me, this is not something I would probably ever do or ever be uh, slotted in a wrestling event to do, but having been a wrestling fan and watching wrestling all through you know my life this stuff this is the kind of stuff that they do and uh, sometimes it's a terrible fail and then sometimes you you have Eli Drake coming out in the next promo and they're chanting question mark and he actually turned it into something kind of cool so you know it is what it is DK now well, this is proof that modern fans are idiots when Jay was comparing him <laughs> to all those great uh math Math wrestlers of the past. I threw up a little bit, but uh, I don't like them. I don't like the gimmick. We all know it's for Claire under the mask. He just had his hair and grew a beard and dyed it too. I don't care for question mark. I don't like the gimmick. I didn't like the match. Uh, I threw up a little when Jay was talking about all the great math wrestlers of the past. And, Almost seems to be questions to it. Uh, we all know it's required in the math. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he dyed his hair. He, he grew a beard and dyed it too. You know, he's going back to flat before the roof. Move on. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised neither one of you guys have mentioned that, uh, you know, I have a mustache and a beard. And I have no business being in a wrestling ring. So how do you know that wasn't me in the mask? Because I saw you in the um, audience. That's how we know. <laughs> oh. uh, next up, we get a promo 
from Eli Drake. And, um, you know, he kind of brings up some points that maybe uh, maybe Camille knows a lot more than uh, we think she does. And that's why she hasn't spoken. Um, one thing's for certain is uh, Eli Drake thinks that Camille knows that he could beat Nick Aldis for that world title. Um, before the promo gets too far into it, we get Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs uh, approaching the podium and basically telling Eli, Eli Drake to mind your business. Uh, the, the, in the weirdness of this whole moment, this whole promo, then we get Mr. Anderson uh, kind of sneaking up behind Eli Drake and telling him he's got a big mouth and he'd be happy to talk to Eli Drake. Um, I start off a good promo. I kind of understood where they were going with the tag team thing, but again, I don't think a lot of people would. I know they're trying to imply things, and they, every time he mentioned Camille that he was trying to get a little freaky with her, that's when Latimer cut him off. So I understand, you know, that's what they're trying to hint toward. Um, I don't know. I, I'm. It wasn't good. Um, I also know that Kennedy, or I'm sorry, Anderson can do better in the promo. Like, yeah, better necessarily than than Eli Drake, but better than he can. I'm thinking maybe they're trying to build up from two guys who can decently cut some good promos and see if maybe that could build to a good match. And I think that would be a good match between two former Impact champions, and to maybe give Eli Drake a little credibility against a former WWE superstar. So I think that might lead to something great in the pay-per-view, but I just think it kind of bombed here. You know, it's one of those situations that when you're doing that studio wrestling television, sometimes things get over great, sometimes things don't. And I think it's one of those ones that looks good on paper but didn't come out good on in reality. What about you, Mr. Douglas Frazier? Kevin, Kevin Douglas Frazier, champ? <laughs> so, um, I again, like, I'm kind of with everybody with that it just – felt very nebulous there wasn't it didn't feel i just I, I didn't know what the heck was going on and for me especially in a show like this um simpler is better you know if you can keep you know and, and a lot of times in 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 putting on a show or, or really just anything production wise it's actually better to tell people kind of what's going to happen um than leave them kind of in the i don't know what's going on and so I thought I kind of agree with DKM that, you know, Eli Drake is very good on the microphone. Uh, I'm not a fan of uh, Anderson, Kenny guy, <laughs> never have been, don't think I ever will be. Uh, so I just, I, I don't know. It just, I, it, it, if we've got more time to talk, if we got four runs short on time, I just move on. Didn't like it. I didn't get it. Yeah, Next let's subject. let's let's move on just because we're run out of time. Um, uh, finally, we get Nick Aldis ringside, and he's there to I guess keep everybody honest. Um, but we do get the tag team match. We get uh, the wild card, which is Latimer and Isaacs uh, taking on um, Homicide and Kingston. This is an NWA World Tag Team match, and you know. It starts off as a pretty good match. Uh, you, I, I was really kind of getting into it, and before you know it, all hell breaks loose. You get uh, the Dawson brothers out here again. We get the Rock and Roll Express out here. You get Camille out here, uh, and it just it just all goes quite to heck. And uh, 
you know, we had mentioned this a couple weeks ago that we, I felt that the NWA needed some sort of authority figure because clearly uh, it's running wild on the show. Um, Kevin, what did you think about this, uh, the last, uh, the, the, the match, the main event, and then the fallout of uh, all the chaos ensuing afterwards? It, it just, it's just, to me, I'm not, a, it's not a good way to go out because a lot of times you want to leave the fans wanting more. You want them to kind of want to come back. And I just, I, it didn't, I, I'm going to come back and I'm going to watch just because I love wrestling. But I'm not, I'm not going to try to say that it was a good ending. It really looked like a convention. It didn't even look like a fight was going to break out. It just looks like everybody came out. We're all just going to stand here until the TV, TV goes off air. And, you know, it, you can do the same thing much simpler with less, with, with a lot of less chaos. And I just don't quite, I didn't quite understand it. Maybe as I watch the show more uh, in, the ne- in the next couple of weeks, it'll make more sense. But I just don't, I just don't really understand why you would take television time um, and use it on that. And why you'd put all the people, everybody, it's like almost, it's like, let's get everybody out there all at once. And, and I, you know, again, I, I'm not sure that it matches the theme of what, of what they're trying to accomplish with this type of show. Uh, again, if you say something like, well, they always do that in WWE or they always do that in these companies. Well, that's great. But this is NWA, you know, old school studio wrestling. And I, I just think they can keep it simpler and do more with less. And again, having Jim Cornette uh, on the play-by-play out there, uh, this is a guy that I could quote saying that less is more. And then any times I've had gotten coached by him, that was something that he strongly strongly would um, drive the point home that, look, you don't always have to do a whole bunch. You just do what you do well. And I just think they're trying to do too much at the end there. Yeah, I'm going to have to jump in. I know DK's probably should be the next one, but um, this is, I think, what happens when you have a television writer trying to do something for a booker's job. And sometimes they feel they need to put too much stuff into everything to quantify their position and where they are. Um, I know that happens a lot in the WWE where there's television writers and where there should be bookers and they try to make things too pretty and too fancy and too convoluted and too Game of Thronesy or too House or too anything like that where there's too many twists, turns, and you don't know where where it's coming from what. Um, Yeah, it was too much. It should just have been, you know, the bare minimum. Uh, There wasn't even a schmoz. It wasn't even a brawl or anything in the back. It was just a bunch of people that we're sitting there. It's like, how many people can we get on television at this, at this time and how much we can do. Um, I like to call it, I like to equate it to blowing your load. It's what exactly what it was. It was too much. And now you have nothing left <laughs> over. And also, you know, this was the shortest episode so far. It was only 45 minutes. Can they find something else to maybe fill with extra time? Not only was it the shortest episode, but it had, one of the longer introduction parts into it. It went a little longer than normal. Yeah. So, so th- there was not a lot of show on this show, so to speak. And this kind of came at a bad time. I mean, they already had that very confusing promo with Eli Drake. 
cut. Everything was going. You have two of your top teams wrestling for the title, which I guess they sort of need for the show. But then again, at the end of the match, you got the champions with a more or less clean victory. So now what do I care about uh, Outlaw Inc. anymore? Right. Because they've already lost a couple times on the show cleanly. So I don't really care if they ever challenge for the title again now. And then Camille comes out for apparently no reason. And everybody follows her out. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Jaden put it best. They're not even fighting. I mean, I, yeah. Not only are they not like physically fighting, they're not even yelling or screaming or anything. They're, they're just like oh. all out there. It's, yeah, it's you know, look, it's it's, <laughs> it's break time, so everybody's left their table, and now they're talking, you know, to each other. <laughs> yep. What the hell? Can can I can I interject here too? The thing is, is that I find that it I find the flow of our conversation went from talking about wrestling matches um, early on in our, in what we were saying to now we're just talking about storylines and, and all that. And, and in reality, like if this show is going to be different, it's going to actually need to have more in ring content, uh, especially at the end of the show. And I thought that that's where it started to really fall off was from, you know, the question mark <laughs> on, you didn't have really that much in ring really good in-ring stuff for even somebody like me who that's probably my favorite part. Uh, it didn't really appeal too much to me uh, in, in the end, even if it's simple, a couple big guys out there just brawling, right. there's still, I mean, you, you can still do that. Well, there's a good way to do all of it. And, and I just thought they, they're the in-ring quality, the in-ring uh, aspect of the wrestling show, which is an old school wrestling show. And that's what you hear old school guys always say. Oh, well, you know, back in the day, it was all about wrestling. We used to wrestle, and now all they do is talk on the microphone and do flips and stuff. And it's like, well, if you're going to bring that back, why not put, you know, if it's tag teams or singles, like put some good wrestlers out there and let them wrestle and let that tell tell the story, not all the extra stuff. You know, we kind of said in the past, we brought up that a show like this, you kind of need those two to three enhancement matches. Uh, If you run an hour, you could get four in. And then you need a television main event. Now, a television main event is not a main event that you have out in the arenas. And I realize now they're not, at this moment, they're not doing arena wrestling. But uh, in other words, you don't put your top two tag teams in and give them, you know, eight minutes and then, and then get a mm-hmm. clean pin to where now you, you've lost interest in one of the tag teams. This is to get your talent mm-hmm. over. That, that's what this type of show yeah. is for. So right. you, you need the in-ring action for me to go, oh, man, that's really cool. Oh, look what this person can do. And, you know, they don't have – an enhancement match is not a squash match. I mean, if you look yeah. back in the day, you could see uh, big Jim Duggan. You know, he could get some offense in on the on the fan favorites and stuff like that. 
you know, an enhancement match is just a chance for the talent to get over and to show their skill set. And then they have to talk themselves over. Right. And, and so this is right now what the show is lacking is a balance between those two things. I mean, you know, when they did the sick man match, I said that was a good, you know, TV main event. And that's what they need. They need to, each show should build from the beginning to the end in a way that says, here are the people that you want to see wrestle each other. Right. But the wrestling, you know, there's other people. Now, when you get our pay-per-view in three months, they're going to be wrestling each other. But for right now, this is why you need to care about them. Right, right. I mean, that's booking 101. DK, I mean, excuse me, Jaden, what are your thoughts uh, so that we can wrap things up here? Um, I didn't think it was as good as last week. It definitely wasn't even close. Uh, while the Latimer and Royce Isaacs match was against Alloink was a good match, um, it felt like it was missing something. Again, right. I don't think neither really had any chance to develop themselves. Um, while Eddie Kingston can cut a damn good promo, um, I don't think he's gotten enough time of it. They haven't got enough time to showcase themselves. Again, this was too much that was supposed to be thrown out there. It's not in reality, I think they just need to start watching some Memphis, start watching some real Georgia championship wrestling, watching some early continental, yeah. watching what made studio wrestling big. Uh, studio wrestling isn't just putting people in a studio in front of an audience. There's an actual type of of atmosphere and production and look and feel and just the way the matches go. Um, a good studio wrestling didn't have to have competitive matches and the promos were very important, but they had to find ways to get over everything. The wrestler, his maneuvers, his finishing maneuver, his personality. I mean, I mean not everybody in the old NWA can cut a great promo. I loved Ron Garvin, but he was never going to be a great promo, but somehow even without being a great promo, what he did in the ring and the way, he, the way he was so vicious against the people he was wrestling against, it got him over. You know, that's what we need. We need to find, go back to what actually worked instead of doing all this fancy uh, no heels, no faces, uh, they don't really matter, or let's throw everybody out there and, and put in these super competitive matches. We just need to find what worked back then and make it work now because NWA... The, I keep on calling NWA on fire, but NWA uh, power, it is an alternative, power. and it does have so much potential, and last week shows how good it could be, but then when it's it's good, it's great. When it's not good, it's it's just regular indie bullshit. Well, I'm going to go ahead and finish. I'm about to hop off, guys. We My, my lovely wife is taking me yeah. to dinner, uh, but I did want to jump on and just say, you know, um, Jay, you know, just thank Jaden for a great opportunity to wrestle uh, up on the East Coast, and I really appreciated it. And I always wanted to kind of tell you that it was one of the one of the better. Well, that was Doctor Lawrence Arconium. Um, I'm just an agent of his. That was the great, <laughs> brilliant man, Doctor Lawrence Arconium, who is supposed to be giving me a raise very soon. <laughs> and uh, and definitely, um, you know, probably not a lot of people know this, but there's a time in my life when things were not doing so hot. And uh, Devin was a real was a real friend at that time, and he uh, I'll never forget the day he looked at me in the eye and said, "Kevin, you're better than this." And uh, I really appreciated that. I felt like that was the day we really became friends. 
And I uh, just want to thank him for that. And then Jay, I just want to thank you for having me on here and giving me the opportunity to kind of throw my hat, uh, not necessarily back into the ring, but to get to talk about uh, the sport that I spent half my life doing that I love so much. So I just want to thank you guys for having me and hopefully you guys will have. Yeah, me man. Well, absolutely. Uh, I think the pleasure was all ours. So uh, you have a good night and tell your wife, thanks for uh, letting you uh, play with us tonight. <laughs> you got it guys. I'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. So that's going to do it for us here at the Alliance, guys. Unfortunately, we are out of time. We pushed it to the limits tonight, but we had a podcast that didn't drop again. So we, I think we need to celebrate that. Uh, but um, we'll be back next week with more of the Alliance, guys, podcast, more uh, of Jaden's rants, more of, uh, more of my shtick not being able to read my notes, and more of DKM's uh, – what, what would we call you? saltiness there you go your your uh disdain for me um you can follow us on you can follow us on all socials at the alliance blog and that's twitch youtube facebook uh instagram uh tiktok and if i forgot one well just keep looking um, until next time oh twitter yeah thank you and until next time guys we'll see you at the matches you have a good night now we love you jay no you don't 